As a confidant and coach to business leaders, I know a lot of people who are rich and miserable and those on the opposite side of the spectrum. So let's pull it all together, shall we? We'll explore the intersection between wealth and joy. We'll look at the psychology, spirituality, and practicality of money, plus some of the things that make up a truly lucrative lifestyle. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucra Life. Welcome back, my friends. I am delighted to introduce you to my very special guest today. Andrea Rindel is a new friend of mine, even though we have been in each other's worlds for a long, long time. We have just recently connected and it has been a complete delight for me. So I can't wait for you all to get to know her. Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I am super excited to chat with you because one of the first pieces where you and I sort of like had a pseudo connection was through one of the coaching programs that we both were in. And I heard you speak there and I was like, holy cow, this woman has got her stuff together and she is kicking ass. So I want to talk to you about all of that. But before we get to modern day, what you're up to right now, I'd love to get a little bit of the broad brush strokes, the path you took to get you to the point where you're at today. So the path I took is one that includes, I think entrepreneurialism is like in my blood. It was, uh, and quite legitimately in my blood, my mom and dad both were entrepreneurs. My mom has always had a side hustle or a business. They owned a business together. And my dad was really young when he took a big risk and bought a piece of land that ended up being like a motel, a campground, a store. So entrepreneurialism is in my, in my blood, number one. Uh, number two, my mom will tell you I was like 11 when I started my own business. I think of it as 16, oh, although really? recent, yeah, recently I realized I was telling somebody about this and I realized that, oh yeah, I actually was 11, which is I was making like beaded earrings and wholesaling them to a store who was then retailing them from there. I didn't even know that's what it was called. I was just making earrings and selling them wait, when wait. I was 11. So you were way past like the typical kid entrepreneur that sets up a little shack on the side of the road and sells the little jewelry. You were selling them wholesale to stores. <laughs> and that would have been in like 1991. And I was selling them for 20 bucks. And then they were selling them for 40 bucks. And Interestingly enough, I just bought some earrings like that. I only paid $60 for them now in today's <laughs> world. So I was making bank and had no idea early on in life that, that that's what I was doing. I don't even think I identified as an entrepreneur or business person or any of that. I just did it because that's what was modeled for me. And my mom encouraged it. And then frankly, I floundered through business until I was about 21 when I really found my groove and I was selling jewelry, which again, I think success always leaves clues, like things that you love and you dig a little deeper is where you end up succeeding. So I sold jewelry for a few years and really got my chops selling jewelry. And then like many entrepreneurs, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was my gateway into becoming a real estate investor. And I did that for a few years, which brought me to not connected, but brought me to publishing. And I worked with uh, like in books and with people who write books and helping authors and supporting them in getting their entire message organized, plus the business behind that goes at the business that is behind an idea-based business. So I've always been an entrepreneur. I feel like I floundered until really recently, if I'm being really honest. Like, I think I kind of like dabbled and had the 
sample selection of different entrepreneur paths. And then only really recently I found my groove. So it really took me like most of my life. Well, it still sounds like a little bit better path than others of us, my, myself, <laughs> have chosen. Uh, can you tell me this, though? What was the defining difference from floundering to no longer floundering? Funny enough. So the program we're both part of, or like, you know, somebody similar that we both know, which we could talk about later, maybe it was something that he said years ago, which is he said, if business owners understood how important cadence is in their business, they would get a lot further. So I started to realize that what was causing the chaos in my own life was me. And I needed to stop getting in my own way. And I put systems around me and I put cadence around me in order to create some stability and some predictability in my life. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that provided some space for me to then look after myself and self-care. And that's what really was the bump. Like, so the self-care is actually what gave me the result, but what allowed me to get to the self-care was cadence and predictability around activities within my business. I love that you were bringing up self-care because what an important topic that even though it's kind of a thing these days, I still think people are not practicing it enough. Totally agree. And I think long before self-care looks something like cucumbers in your eyes and out at the spa and, you know, hanging out, getting massages and taking mental health wellness days, long before that, self-care is your self-talk. It's what are you saying to yourself and how are you being kind to yourself when nobody is listening and just really listening to your own personal internal dialogue and being as kind to yourself as you are to the other people in your world. Mm-hmm. Sean and I used to laugh all the time and would say to many of our clients, Hey, you know what? If you talk to your friends, the way you talk to yourself, you would not have any friends. <laughs> 100%. I totally agree with that. Okay, so here's what I want to know from you, because if you're making bank as this like little kid and you've just grown up as an entrepreneur, essentially the whole time, a lot of entrepreneurs that I know, and I, again, include myself in this category, is we've had challenges along the way with wealth mindset, money mindset, all of that kind of stuff. And I kind of want to dig into that a little bit with you. So first and foremost, how do you personally define wealth? Well, that's such a great question. Um, To me, wealth is being able to do what I want with who I want to when I want to do it. And and that really is wealth. And wealth means like really deep. So for me personally, I define that as really quality, deep relationships, um, freedom over my time to make decisions. You know, maybe the next three weeks of my life are scheduled out, but if in six months from now I wanted to do something, I have the freedom and flexibility to do that. And, and the ability to live fully now in the present, that's how I define wealth. It has, it has very little to do with money and mostly to do with what money can buy, if that makes sense. Yeah. How do you stay present focused and in the now? Okay. Okay. I think entrepreneurs have a really hard time with that. I think two things that go hand in hand are that the entrepreneurial mindset and being like a future forward thinking visionary are just two hand in hand things. So we struggle with staying in the now. So for me personally, uh, gratitude is what keeps me in the now and just every day and in every moment being really aware of how incredibly blessed I am 
Um, I'm going to go with any one of your listeners has the ability to be listen, ability to be listening to us. So they're blessed to some degree. They have access to the digital world and the digital media. So you can find blessing in absolutely every moment. And to me, I think gratitude is what keeps me in the now and it keeps me anchored into what I can experience right now is what's right in front of me. Nice. Do you have a specific practice that you do with that or, or is it just something that you kind of keep in mind? Yeah, I have a couple practices. So one is at the end of every day, I write down what am I grateful for? So I make notes about what am I grateful for? And because sometimes during at night, I don't have time for it. I actually have a place in my day timer where I write it during the day as well. So that's kind of like the daily practice. The bigger practice that keeps me outside of any sort of like general anxiety, I think most entrepreneurs and self-included struggle with a certain level of functional anxiety that that probably has kept us alive and kept our ancestors alive. So I embrace it. Um, But if I start to get too spun up into like, what's going to happen next month? What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen three years from now? Oh, in 10 years, I want this blah, blah, blah to happen in my life, whatever that is. Um, If I get spun up and it's a negative spiral, then I will actually just stop and start making a gratitude list until my state changes. Um, The other thing I will do is I will look at how many places, how far I've come, even since maybe three months ago or three years ago, and then really anchor into gratitude reminds me that those habits that I have are producing results that I want. So I could probably chill out and not worry so much about the future. (laughs) Yes. And we we will get into more of those habits that you have uh, in just a moment, but I want to ask you a little bit more about your current work. Now you've got legacy, you've got legato. Talk to us about, you've got all these things going on. Like how do you, how do you do it? What is it all? You know, what makes you happiest really in all of that? Yeah. So I have a lot of things going on, but I really only have one thing going on and that is supporting visionaries. I see myself and my unique talent as being a bridge where I can take a really big vision and then help make it real. I think Dan Sullivan is the one who coined the phrase. There's people who make stuff up. There's people who make it real and there's people who make it recur. I I will tell you, I I heard it from Dan Sullivan the first time and I, he gets quoted for that off it. And I'm definitely a make it real person. I'm actually not great at making things up. I get bored. So I don't like making them recur. I like setting up, setting them up in order to recur, but I'm not the one who does that. So what my company legacy creative does is we actually support visionaries to make their, their idea based businesses come true. And in that legato family, which is how you and I met is the business that we're primarily focusing on right now. Fantastic. And what types of services or things do you offer them in, in that supportive role? Yeah. So typically we're a general contractor for digital based businesses. So what we do is we like listen to the vision and say, okay, in order to make that happen, you're going to need a website and a membership site and a product, and you're going to need to price your product around this price. And you might need a book or you might need a podcast or a YouTube show you're going to need customer service, all the different components of a digital-based business we assess first. And then either we do it in-house or we find a subcontractor to do it because I've built so many different businesses that are like that or been involved in building them or been involved behind the scenes. I either can do it or our team can do it, or we know somebody who can, which is why I use the general contractor analogy, because we all know that if you're going to build a house and you hire a general contractor, you know, they might employ a framer, but they don't employ a roofer, but they know a great roofing company that they'll back. Awesome. Awesome. So 
it sounds like you are very, very busy. Would you say that that is the case or do you have a lot of space in your days, weeks, months? Uh, I'm very scheduled. I have, <laughs> I love the distinction there. I, yeah. you're like, maybe not busy, but scheduled. I don't do, I don't do busy. Cause that use like that stresses me out. Uh, I'm very organized with my time and scheduled. And that means like, for example, tomorrow, my whole day is scheduled on my calendar and I'm going to the spa with my mom and my two sisters. Nice. So like, you know, to me, that also gets a slot on my calendar, not just work stuff. So if that's busy, then yes, I'm busy in terms of, do I get to put on my calendar what I want? 80% of the time I do. And then the other 20% of the time is just normal adulting stuff. <laughs> adulting. Taxes, taxes have to be filed and you should look things over once in a while. And, you know, I mean, there's like, if we think life is all just activities we love, that's not entirely true. You still have to do some adulting at times. It is true. It is true. So I wanted to kind of dig into the weeds of how you operate as a human as an entrepreneur, as a mom, all, you know, all these various things that you are. I have this four-part framework question that I ask all of my guests. It's called HERB, H-E-R-B. So I'll walk you through each step. So first and foremost is habits. What are some of the habits that really lead to you not feeling stressed out, not feeling busy, getting done what you need to get done, and overall maintaining your mindset? Well, that's such a good question. So we already talked about gratitude as a habit. Uh, some other habits I have are I make exercise a priority and that also gets scheduled in my calendar so that there is space and time for it. Nice. I make family time a priority and that's scheduled in my calendar. I have two kids. I'm a single mom. They're 14 and 17. So it's a little bit around their, their calendars, but that gets scheduled. Um, I meditate and I I don't schedule that on my calendar as much. I, that's more like a before and after bedtime thing. So I just make sure like in the morning first when I get off and then before I go to bed. Uh, some other habits though, are I apply the same systems that I use in my business in my personal life. So every year I do annual planning. I do quarterly planning. I review monthly am I on track and weekly when I do my weekly planning for my business, I also add in all my personal stuff. So it might be stuff like book my daughter a haircut, make sure my dogs are booked in to get their haircuts. There's been a lot of haircuts in my life lately. So, and so needs to go to the dentist, you know, so I, I put my personal into my same cadence of planning that I do for my business. And that provides a lot of, uh, predictability. Another habit that's important for me is I, this is an interesting one. Um, I curate my friends really carefully. And I actually review them about once every six months or so. And I allow myself to like release ones that are no longer serving the who I am and, or where I want to be, or, and so I, I'm very, very careful who I spend my time with. And I think that's a habit that's really important for, I love that for, for entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's like, I absolutely love that. And to me, it's like, there's a lot of people that are people pleasers and they'll just kind of keep accumulating all the people because they want everybody to be happy and, you know, it's all fine, but really sometimes that doesn't work out for everyone's best. And I love that you're like, no, I'm going to cultivate this and focus on the ones that are worth it. And then, you know, maybe let some others go. Let them go. And I've never thought of it this way, but I actually habitually unsubscribe. So I unsubscribe in my emails on a regular basis. I unsubscribe with friends on a regular, like I shouldn't say I unsubscribe with friends on a regular basis, but I absolutely evaluate, like, is this working for me or not? 
in supporting like the goals that I have. And when I say that, I have a ton of lifelong deep friendships with people. I'm just very careful who gets into that circle. I, I think as you should be, I think that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's probably my favorite habit that I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> See, I'm subscribed habit. Yeah. It, if you're very aware of what gives energy and takes energy away from you, then all you need to do is move towards more of what gives energy. Yes. And then there's this weird middle ground. And this, I distinguished about 12 years ago in my life. There's this middle ground of neutral, right? You know, like you're like, oh, whatever, I could take that or not take that. If it's neutral, it goes into negative for me. I say no. Like if it's neutral, I, I get it out. It's like a Listen, you do not have to tell me twice because as you know, I'm a huge introvert. So like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that person, it's draining. No. <laughs> I totally. And if it's even like, meh, meh. Yeah, not worth it. Not, not worth it. Go to where there's pluses. Yes. I, <laughs> I love this so much. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to the E in herb. The E stands for environment. How do you set up your physical space, whether that's home office, 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 car, wherever you are, you know, in order for you to be at your best, best state. This is another awesome question because we don't talk about this as entrepreneurs. We keep it as like this little secret. Okay. So I'm very intentional about my space. Number one, uh, nothing comes in to it unless it's intentional. So like I even just sit in my car when I pick up my mail and I get rid of all the junk mail and it just goes right into my recycle bin. It doesn't walk through the door and that's intentional. It's almost like a uh, it's an intention thing of don't even let this into my world. So number one, anything that comes in is an ad, not a minus, if at all possible. I, I have kids. So to some degree, I can't control all of that. You know, like if you're talking to parents, you know, you can't send like all the presents back that maybe came from the grandparents or whatever. So there's certainly like some flexibility there, but to anything that I can influence, I keep, again, I use that, like it gives me energy or it doesn't come in. Another thing with my environment is I automate as much of my environment as possible. And I would suggest that earlier in life, like earlier in my business, if I had figured this out, I think I would have moved faster. And I, I also see how people who have elevated their business more than I am right now, they do this more. So I automate my environment, meaning if I know uh, my lawn needs to get mowed once a week and I don't have the space to mow it, I just subscribe to that. Like, I put myself on a service where I pay the monthly and I, my cleaners come and they take care of cleaning. And now I have it every week at the beginning, it was only random that I could afford it. So I did it once in a while when I could afford it. And then when I could afford it, I put it on once a month automation and then once every two weeks. And now it's once a week. So I control my environment in a lot of ways by automating, keeping order in it. Cause otherwise I can get my head and here's why I can get my head. So in the cloud, like imagining and envisioning and working and stuff. And then I look up and like, I have a complete mess. Around me. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> How did that happen? Like, Whoa, what happened? A week disappeared. Right. So I just found automating it made fewer decisions and then it could be tidy. Um, the other thing I have in my environment is I use my home, like a vision board. I, I don't know if you do this too, but there are certain objects and places in my house that, they're mostly objects or absence of objects that have meaning to me. So I have a dresser in my bedroom and I, the very first time I saw it, I was like, oh, I really want that. And it was a rehabbed dresser from a dear friend of mine. She'd like 
you know, shabby chic refinished it and she put it on Facebook. And I was like, oh man, I love that piece. I want it. So I texted her and I said, Hey Carrie, I really love that dresser. How much are you selling it for? And she said, oh, it's $550, which was a crazy amount of money for me at the time. I'm like, Ugh. anyway, she goes, it's $550. And while I was making it, I was thinking about you. Mm. And so I bought it. Cause I was like, yeah, and you had it, to. It was I had to, I was like, well, she was thinking about me and she knew it would, I would like it. Yeah. But what it means to me is to follow my blink, which is in the minute, the very first time I saw it, I was like, I want that. It belongs in my house. And so when she confirmed by saying, oh, I was thinking about you when I made it, I took the stretch and I purchased it. It was like, I had the money. I just, you know, wasn't up for buying that kind of furniture at that time, but I did it anyway. And every time in the morning when I wake up and I look at it, I'm like, follow my blink. My gut knows what it's doing. So I have a number of objects like that in my environment that have meaning like that. And I remember it. And so like, it's like my whole house is a remembering vision board. I love that. I love that story of that synchronicity and so, so, so good. (laughs) So the R in herb, this one is my absolute favorite because I could geek out on it for hours, but the R stands for resources. So resources could be books, programs, technology, what types of resources have been, I would say, most impactful for you that you would recommend to others? Okay, hands down, the best resources I've had are relationships. Mm. Uh, I, if there's one thing I'm grateful for, it's that I am rich in relationships. And that kind of goes back to that habit of unsubscribing and then investing and being intentional with my time. In the last particularly 20 years of like literally since I've been an adult. So the last maybe 25 years, but in the last 20 years of business, there are certain people that pop up and when they come into my world and I think, Oh, I really like you. Like I want to keep this, even if it's not a deep relationship, but like we align, I make a point to keep that relationship going. So I reach out, I send a handwritten card once in a while. I even just ping a text and say, Hey, was thinking about you. How you doing? If I'm in their area, I'll stop in and I'll visit them. I'd make an effort with relationships. And I think that's probably the most valuable resource I have. Um, if I'm being like, like that's one of them, obviously there's money and financial resources that I'm so incredibly grateful for. There's also like experience resources, which a lot of people turn into intellectual property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I think about experience resources, they're like all the times I've screwed up, all the times I've made mistakes, all the times I've learned a lesson, maybe with some clients' money. You know, those are resources that today, when I pop into a strategy session or I show up working with a client or I show up in a business environment, people are benefiting from. you're totally right (laughs) we don't think of that sometimes as a resource but I think all my failures are massive resources and if you pay attention every failure is a huge opportunity to grow that is so right on you know my thing is this is my simple business plan I talk about this a lot I'm like my business plan is to go try something really screw it up learn the lessons And then turn around and tell other people like, don't do it this way. This is how I screwed it up. Do it the other way instead. Like that's my whole business plan. (laughs) 
hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. So you're very rich in, in resources that oh, way. Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah. yes. Totally. Screw ups. <laughs> yeah. But they're, those are like, they're not notches on a belt or you shouldn't run out and screw up, you know, on purpose. And yet at the same time, I'm really beginning today to see the compounding interest of experience. Mm, Yes. All right. Well, let's jump into the B in herb that stands for beliefs. What are some of your beliefs or worldviews that have really helped to create the success that you are? I think there's two. And I think there's lots of wise philosophers long before me that have said something similar to this. But I think we can choose to see the world as the universe has my back or the universe is out to get me, one or the other. I think you can choose to see the world as this is happening to me or this is happening for me or I'm going to win or I'm going to fail. You know, to me, those are all basically the same statement in do you have an expectation that there's going to be a positive outcome or do you have an expectation there's going to be a negative outcome? And I do always believe there's going to be a positive outcome. Like I do believe that there's going to be a positive outcome. Now I think you should put some like fail safes in in place. Like, is there also some reason and logic can, that's why business strategy helps. But I do believe that once I've assessed a situation and decided what I'm going to do with it or whatever, I, I believe it's going to turn out positively. Here's another belief I have that's gotten me a really long ways. And when I violate this belief, I have some really good lessons that are now resources for me. And that is that I take advice from somebody who has the result that I'm hoping to achieve. And I don't take advice from someone who doesn't have that result. I will take, I'll listen if they don't have the result, but I'm very, very mindful who I actually act on the advice that I'm given. So let me drill into that because I think some of our listeners might be like, well, that's great if you know them, but what if you just see somebody online and they are claiming to have a certain result and you, you don't know if they do or not, how do you navigate that? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) Um, You know, some results that they claim to have are verifiable, right? Like my dad, who was super practical, always used to say, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, Yes, <laughs> you know, trust your gut feeling kind of wonder what's going on behind something. Cause there are some people who, which actually is like a super trigger for me that people who claim to have all these results and yet and don't. they have like, they don't, they have a rented Lamborghini that they're driving around in and you know, showing off their whatever Rolex watch. That's probably a fake, you know, you know, it just, I can't even handle it. Like I I I can't, can't I don't, I, I think if it seems too good to be true, it probably is, is probably one of the ways to do it. And then like, look and watch for congruency and, and dig a little deeper and, you know, pay attention to things like reading reviews or just watching to see um, with their results. The other thing is I am pretty sure it's John Maxwell. I heard say, if you want to know the quality of the leader, look at their followers. Oh, totally. And give me chills. I love that. Yeah. And in the world of like online business advice or getting your business up and running really good ideas, get really smart people to follow them easily. I, I know that now when I select clients I work with, 
I don't have to look at like, do you have a good idea? I just say like, show me the size of the people who are reading your book or listening to your podcast or following your system, or let me talk to your, some of your clients, like really good ideas are sticky. So -hmm. there's, and those students or those clients or those followers are getting the result that's promised. Yeah, I love that so much. <laughs> so let me ask you this. As I mentioned to you earlier before we started the recording, a lot of my audience are dreamers, right? They have the big dream and either they have started, but they're maybe not quite far along yet, or they maybe haven't yet started. But what just little bit of inspiration might we be able to leave with them based on your experience? I think, and I do this all the time still today, I think think if I could, there's two things I would tell them. Number one is if you have a dream or you have a vision or you have an idea, break it into bite-sized pieces and then test it and like micro dose test it, you know, Oh, I want to open a coffee shop. Well, why don't you go work at a coffee shop for a week and see if you even like it, right? Why don't you go test run like something where you can test to see if you like it? That's one thing. So how can you if you've got your dream or your vision, break it into really small bite-sized steps and then just take a little step in the direction. Very smart. The other one is the people that you admire, compare yourself to them at the same place in their journey that you are right now. And ask like, what was Elon Musk doing when he was three? Okay, he's a bad example, but (laughs) maybe he's not, you know? What was this person that I really admire doing when they were six months into their business? Because I guarantee what you're looking at online right now is not what they were doing when they were six months or one year into business. And I know as a like somewhat successful entrepreneur right now, I've forgotten the beginning parts. I kind of have. And so I forget to talk about them or I forget to share them. And if somebody happens to, you know, corner me at a cocktail party and ask, ask me about my first business or when I was making beaded earrings or whatever, I, I light up and I talk about it because it's fun to talk about. Remember though, that we kind of forget the beginning phases. And so really like try to dig into where are people who are at that part of like the part of your journey that you're at, go and dig deep. Who else was, what were successful people doing when they were one year into business or six months into business or three months into business? And Frankly, those are questions you can always ask entrepreneurs and we're happy to talk about them because we don't get asked that often enough. That, I love that advice so much. Maybe my favorite ever given on this show. <laughs> there's a lot of favorites <laughs> on this one, but seriously. You because- know, there's an easy way to do that too, which is read people that you admire, read their biographies because they'll tell you in their biography. We all like to tell our stories. So like go back and read their biographies and you're like, oh, this is what it was like when you were like, broken homeless yeah back then. <laughs> right. like don't compare yourself to me now like I, yeah. I, legit I have this conversation with my membership people all the time because they're early stage and I'm like you guys got this like you're kicking ass compared to where I was at that time <laughs> so so good Andrea this has been absolutely amazing where can people learn more about you so they totally can check out my website is legacycreative.com And if you want like my own personal mindset and all that kind of stuff, I'm mostly on Instagram and it's just Andrea Rydell is my handle there, my my name, because I'm the only one of those that's like that. So either one, we have a, we have a business Instagram too, that gives like tips and tricks and all those kinds of things. 
Perfect. Well, I will link to all that good stuff in the show notes at lucra.com. So dear listener, you can find all those very easily. Andrea, like I said, this has been really phenomenal, like truly had such a great time talking to you as usual. So thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, and really just sharing your experience with us. You're totally welcome. This has been awesome. I I love your model and your questions. And thank you very much. I'm excited for your listeners to learn more from you. Ready to make your dream your reality? Let's build your business so you can do what you are here to do. I invite you to join my inner circle, the Lucra Collective, a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who got over the limiting belief that they needed to go it alone. Visit lucra.com to join today. That's L-U-C-R-A.com. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.